Life is abounding in thanksgiving. The idea is that because of the verbs and because of the way that you're living and because you're steadfast and you're gritty and, and because you've received Christ and you're walking in Him and because you're rooted in Him, right, and you're established in Him, now all of a sudden your life is just abounding with praise. And it's important that all of us have people like the Apostle Paul in our lives to push us in that direction. God has big plans for you. He wants to do amazing things in and through you that will just blow your mind. But as you'll learn today, it's hard to get there by yourself. In this message, Pastor Daniel shares that you, like everyone else, need people in your life to push you to grow. People who want to see you engaged and thriving. They'll encourage you to walk closely with the Lord, letting your roots grow deep in Him so that you overflow with thanksgiving. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Colossians chapter 2 as he continues his message, Jesus is Fully God. Jesus is real. Really what we find here is the Apostle Paul, although he'd never been to the church in Colossae, he's writing a letter to them. So he's not just willing to be nervous or worried about things. He, he engages in action. And, and I, I really want to encourage this of all of us because our faith is meant to be an active faith, not, not a passive faith. And our faith should never be something where we don't really feel that we uh, should get involved in things because we need to be involved in things. And so whatever area that you look at that kind of grips your heart where there's a concern, the next thing should be like, how can I be moved into action because of it? Right? How can I move from just having concerns to be moved into how do I engage in this? And, and really, that's how we become salt and light in the world. That's how we function as the hands and feet of Jesus. And the Apostle Paul is teaching that. Look at what he says, verse 1. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. So, so right there he's saying, look, there's, there's the church of Colossae, there's Laodicea, which was a, an adjacent community there in the Lycus Valley. And by the end of the letter, he's going to say, hey, listen, I want you to read this letter, give it to the church in Laodicea, and I want you to read the letter I sent them. So he wants them to share the information. He's saying, but I have this concern because you've never met me before. And then notice what he says. What is his concern, though? that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's saying, look, I, my concern is I want the church to be strong. I want the people's hearts to be encouraged. I, I, want, I want them to be knit, their hearts to be knit together in love. I don't want people to be as individuals, I want them to be one body in Christ. And I want the people to be attaining to the full assurance of the understanding of the knowledge of the mysteries of God. I want people to grow up in their faith. See, and in a lot of ways, it's not enough just to be concerned. We need to intercede and then get involved. 
many of you enjoy the two-minute messages that I, that I get to do. And what's amazing is, is the two-minute messages that we do, we've been doing them for, gosh, a long time now, but they actually began because, you know, I would see people at crossroads in our family room, our lobby, and I would talk to people, and I would see people, you know, Sunday by Sunday, right? And then I was realizing that in the seven in-between days between Sunday and Sunday, all sorts of stuff goes on. I started to realize that, listen, 90 minutes on a Sunday isn't enough to be able to impact a 168-hour week. That, like, life can radically change in a moment. So I started saying to myself, if I, if I just have people Sunday to Sunday, how do I get to meet people in the middle? I'm like, oh, well, I, you know, social media. I can just, like, write, I can, it started with me writing these little uh, devotionals, a couple paragraphs. I'd have my quiet time, I'd sit down at my computer, and I'd write a paragraph, and I'd send it, you know? And then one day, I'm like, I don't feel like typing. <laughs> type all week long. I'm just going to pull out my phone. I record a video and I posted it. And then before you know, it's like people are like, oh, it's encouraging. Why? Because I was concerned watching people's lives and knowing people need more than what I could just give them on a Sunday. So I'm like, oh, this is a way to do that. And, and like so much of what God is doing is somebody being concerned about something and then moving it to action. Like many, many decades ago here in Clark County, you know, uh, with all that was going on, there was not a, there was not a crisis pregnancy center. And at the time there was a, a gentleman who was a, a doctor, a medical doctor on the board and him and pastor Bill Ritchie sat down and said, Hey, like we need to start a crisis pregnancy and option 360 was started. That's what they call it now, you know? And, and like, but again, there's a concern and then it's not just a concern that we keep in our heads, but it moves into action, concrete action. And I think that we all need to say, Lord, what is breaking your heart that is breaking my heart? And Lord, how do I put feet on this and engage in the solution? And of course, the Apostle John said it this way, 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. By this we know love, because he, speaking of Jesus, laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, and shuts up his heart to him, how does the love of God abide in him? You you see what John's saying there. He's saying, listen, you know, God loves us, and we love the brethren, and because Jesus laid down his life for us, then we ought to lay down our life for other people. And if we see people in need, and we don't engage in, in concrete action, then how does the love of God abide in us? And so much of what we do as a church family is kind of driven by it's not enough to be concerned. We need to be moved into action. It's why we do so much work with foster care in our community because we know that God loves children and children who are coming from families for all these different reasons, there's all these issues, they, they need godly people to stand in there. It's why we have a great care ministry. We, we, we realize that between our chaplains, pastoral care counselors, that people need people to talk to. So it's like, we can't be like, oh, man, we're concerned for you. No, no, no. How do we move into action with that? We look at, at, at the global scene with the message of Jesus, and we realize that in that 1040 window from 10 degrees to 40 degrees latitude, Northern Africa, the Middle East, Southeast Asia, and Asia, they call it the 1040 window, that there's over 2 billion unreached people who don't have an opportunity to hear the gospel. There's not a church in their, in their language, in their location. Where they can, and we're like, hey, we need to change that because we, we don't just want to be concerned about things. We say, Lord, how do we move our concern into action? 
That's also one of the reasons why, as a church, we're so committed to community groups. Because we love that. We're Crossroads is an awesome family and a huge family. I mean, in the top, you know, 1% of size of churches in, in the world, Crossroads is part of that. But we don't just want people to come to a big group. We want people to have relationships, right? So the concern is, how do we get people to do life together? You have the community groups. And for each one of us, I think that there is unique gifts. There's unique callings. And so the best place to start, if you're not actively walking out in your calling right now is what concerns you? What worries you? So anytime I'll meet someone, they'll say, oh man, I'm so concerned about the youth today. I'm like, hey, you should serve in students. They look at you because people are more apt today to be concerned without action. So I was like, man, I am just re- like, this is really bothering me. It's like, hey, are you serving there right now? See, start with what is breaking your heart. Because if, it's, if you're in Christ and it's breaking God's heart, it's breaking your heart. And they say, and how can I step into this? How can I step into this? See, the Apostle Paul, he's concerned for these churches. He's never even been there because he realizes that there's stuff going on. Look what it says in verse 4. It says, now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Remember I told you earlier that there was lots of things going on culturally. The church in Colossae was struggling because there was cultural beliefs and spiritual beliefs and there was all these heresies moving through the church. And the Apostle Paul is saying, oh, listen, I'm concerned for all these churches. I've never seen you because there are people coming through very persuasive, persuasive words, and they're trying to rip people off. They're trying to pull people away. And listen, the same thing goes on today, right? Where someone comes in and they're speaking and then the way that they're speaking and it's like if people aren't reading their bibles it's so easy that someone's charismatic personality somebody's polarizing position somebody you know tapping into something that is angsty in in culture before you know it this whole thing happens and people are getting pulled away from the good news they're moving from being joyful loving believers and before you know it they're mad and vindictive and malicious and you're like well what i thought you loved jesus I was just, my heart was breaking about this. I was watching, sometimes online, and you look online, it breaks your heart. I saw someone's page, and it was somebody who had, at one time, was just such a kind, loving man. I just want, I just want everyone to know Jesus. And now they're just going on and on, calling people. I'm just like, what happened? But you realize what happens. That Satan's job is always to divide people. Always divide them from Jesus. Divide them from other people. And I love the fact that the Apostle Paul, he heard about what was going on in Colossae. He wasn't just concerned. He's like, I'm going to write a letter. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to share with you what you need to know. Now, from there, look at what happens. Because in verse 5, it says this. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Now, remember I told you that, you know, we learn from our parents, we learn from elders, we learn from mentors. And in a lot of ways, the Apostle Paul here, he teaches us like, if we want to grow and understand Jesus and really blossom in our faith, what do we need to do? And really what I could say about these verses is you and I, we need to learn from the verbs. 
We need to learn from the verbs because the Apostle Paul is really talking about an active faith, a faith that is engaged, not a passive faith. And in these few verses that I read, Paul uses a lot of verbs, right? Because our faith is active. Now notice he says, though I'm absent in the flesh, I'm with you in spirit. And what's he doing? He's rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith. So you notice you have, first you have this idea of rejoicing. Right? If we're in Christ, we should be rejoicing that we're in Christ. And the Apostle Paul is finding tremendous joy in what's going on in the church in Colossae. There's also a steadfastness to their faith. Right? So, so the church in Colossae has a can't stop, won't stop kind of a mentality. That no matter what's going on around us, we are going to continue to, to follow Jesus. I love that. We need a gritty faith in this generation. We need people to be willing to say, listen, because of all that's going on, it's Jesus and Jesus and more Jesus. Like the old song says, you know, the, the, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. No turning back, right? We need a grittiness, a steadfastness to our faith. Right? But not only that, notice what else he says here. He says, as you therefore have received Christ, so walk in him. And so, so what, what are you receiving right now and what are you walking in? Right? Every single day we receive things. Right? And he's saying, listen, we've received Christ. And because we've received Christ, now we need to walk in Christ. We, we need to let our lives every single day, one foot in front of the other, one minute after the next minute, one hour after the next hour, one day after the next day. We just keep walking in Christ because we've received him. N- never wanting to walk anywhere else. We, we don't want to walk as just political people. We don't want to walk as ideological people. We don't want to walk in, in, in our vocations. Whatever those things may be, we walk in Christ. And we're committed to that. Right? And, and when we walk, we receive Jesus and we've been, been rooted in, and, and, and we're walking with Jesus. Notice next, we're rooted and we're built up in Him. I like that. Where are you sinking your roots right now? Where am I sinking my roots right now? You think about what the roots are. The roots are where you get your nourishment from. Right? So, so like, I, I planted a bunch of trees in, in, in my yard, some privacy trees, you know? And, and some of the trees they took right off. Other the trees, they're not doing so hot. And when I was looking at, hey, what's going on with these trees? Oh, yeah, when you plant a new tree, not all of them root in the same way. Some of them actually can't root, right? And so whatever you put your root, that's what you get your nourishment out of. And if you don't get rooted, you end up withering. But if you get rooted, you can grow strong, right? So you had to ask yourself, where do you get your nourishment from? For, for, the, for the child of God, the only place you're going to get spiritual nourishment from is from the scriptures, from worship. From, from biblical community, from, from, from the family of God, through, through, through self-sacrificial service in the name of Jesus. So depending on where you're getting your nourishment from, you know, whatever you put in, you, you put garbage in, what do you get out? You get garbage out. I, always, I never forget that because you guys know I love food, right? But I remember there was this documentary that came out a bunch of years back called Super Size Me where, you know, the guy was a you know, pretty decently in-shaped guy and he decided he was going to go on a fast food diet for 30 days. And it was crazy to watch it because it was like he, he got like all these, you know, tests done. And literally within two weeks of being on a fast food diet for 30 days, he was like his liver was starting to fail because all he was allowed to do was eat one fast food company. And you're like, wow. But, but listen, if you put garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. And that's not only true just for what we eat. That's true spiritually speaking. And what you're rooted in is where you're getting your nourishment from. 
And we need to make sure that we're, we're rooted in Jesus. We're, we're, we've received him, we're walking, but when we're rooted, then we get built up in him, and then we get established. I love that. Because when you're rooted in Jesus, because he is the rock, that when you build your house on the rock of Jesus, the wind and the waves can't destroy it. All the, all the trials of life can't destroy it. When you become established, now all of a sudden you're steadfast and you're immovable. You're always abounding in the work of the Lord. And, 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 and then once that happens, of course, right, it says you're abounding in it with thanksgiving. What a beautiful word, abounding. Do you see your life as abounding in thanksgiving? The idea is that because of the verbs and because of the way that you're living and because you're steadfast and you're gritty and, and because you've received Christ and you're walking in him and because you're rooted in him, right, and you're established in him, now all of a sudden your life is just abounding with praise. And it's important that all of us have people like the Apostle Paul in our lives to push us in that direction. And if you're not there right now, listen, this is where God wants to meet you right now, and God wants to make us like that. That's what he wants to do. Wherever we're at right now, God's like, okay, this is what I want to do in you. And I want to encourage you to take those steps. Follow those verbs. What does it look like for your life to look like this? We follow the verbs. And then look what it says, Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. See, really what we learn here is that Jesus is fully God. Jesus is fully God. And this was the major heresy that was going on in the church in Colossae. It was about the identity of Jesus. And, and this stuff still goes on today. But notice, for in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Remember it said back in Colossians 1.19, for it pleased the Father that in him, Jesus, all the fullness should dwell. John's gospel, John chapter 1, says it to us this way. Verses 1 and 2 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Bible unequivocally says that Jesus is fully God, right? But the problem is the Bible says one thing and then there are people saying other things. That's why it says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy. Now, now listen, Paul's not against philosophy as a whole, only philosophy that draws people away, right? According to the tradition of men, Paul's not against all tradition, only the tradition that pulls us away from the basic teachings of the, of the scriptures, according to the basic principles of the world. See, not all the principles that we live in are bad, but the ones that draw us away from Jesus are. See, and really what you have is that in every single generation, there is, this is who Jesus is. This is what the Bible reveals to us, is who Jesus is. And then there's all the things that want to 
nip at that, pull us away from that. And I think it's so important for us as followers of Jesus to be aware of all the different philosophies and principles and things that people are saying and, 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 and the ways people look at the world. But we always come back to what do the scriptures teach and that is the standard. I call this keeping the Bible in our right hand. You know, it always talks about how Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father. And the idea is that, I know for those of you who are left-handed, it's not, it's not a dig. I'm not trying to make fun of you. But like for, for, the, for the majority of the, of the population, they're right-handed. And then your right hand is the hand of strength. For those of you who are left-handed, we know you're special, you're cool, your left hand is stronger. But for stereotypically, the right hand is the hand of strength. And when we keep the Bible in the right hand, then you can learn philosophy. You can, you can look at the principles of the world and, and then you... But you look at them, but then you check everything against the hand of strength, the Bible. But what happens is for a lot of believers, at some point, the Bible goes out of the right hand, it goes in the left hand, and something else goes in the right hand. Maybe it's politics. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's, hey, you know, I really like this author, whoever they are, you know, or, or I really like this writer. I really listen to this podcast. This podcast is great. It's so good. And eventually you put that in the hand of strength, and the Bible goes in the other hand. And then you start checking your Bible against this other person or this other teacher. And right as that happens, it all falls off the shelf. And it's, it's amazing because, like, we see it, we, you know, we live in a day and age where, where because we, the Internet and all this stuff, there's people who are believers who people know, and then they begin to deconvert, right? But what's interesting is in almost every case of deconversion, it always begins with someone choosing to put something in the right hand other than the Scriptures, Right? It's like, oh, because I have a child who is, you know, having sexual identity issues, I'm going to put my child in the right hand of strength. I'm going to put the Bible in the left hand. Right? Something, it flips. And then before you know it, everything cascades down. Because once you take the Bible out of your right hand of strength, then you're completely susceptible to the philosophies of the day. You have nothing to check it against. You just become overwhelmed with all the different ideas. And the Apostle Paul's like, listen, beware lest anyone cheat you. Like, like really Paul's calling it for what it is. He's like, when you take the Bible out of the right hand of strength and you put the, you're getting cheated. And I'm going to tell you, it's never good to be cheated. But you get cheated. And then when, he, when he's talking about all these different things, then he reminds them, listen, don't forget For in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus is fully God. And you are complete in Jesus when you're in Jesus. See, this is about the battle for souls that says, what is going to complete you? And I'm here to tell you, I know Tom Cruise said it in that great movie line, like, to the woman, you complete me? No, Jesus completes us. And I'm here to tell you, if you're trying to get a, a significant other to complete you, that is a fool's errand. Because they, they weren't created to complete you. They're created to be your companion. Jesus completes you. But when people are looking, I want a spouse to complete me. I want my career to complete me. I want my God. I, I want this thing to complete me. I want, I want this political thing to complete me. I just watched some of the debates recently. And I thought to myself, thank God my hope is in Jesus. That's what I thought to myself. Jesus is People are always looking for the next thing, hoping that it'll be enough to fill them up. But as you learn today, only Jesus can complete you. Nothing else in this world can fill the empty spaces in your heart. Pastor Daniel urged you to let Jesus saturate your life and make you whole. 
You've tried everything else, other people, careers, money, stuff, helpless to do this. So let Jesus have the job. You won't be disappointed. Hey, everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel explains that one of the things that the Bible makes very clear is that Jesus is the head of the church. You'll look at what the book of Colossians says about this, why it matters to you. As you explore this passage, you'll discover three things that Jesus has done for the church. Pastor Daniel will unpack these and help you see how they impact your daily walk with the Lord. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Understanding Jesus. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio. 